Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining with our Sunday service this morning. Uh, for those who don't know us, my name is Naya Swami Anandi. This is Naya Swami Bharat. Um, we're very happy to have you all here and to share this time with you. I'll begin with a reading from Rays of the One Light, which are parallel passages from the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. This um, week's reading is called, Who are the True Christians? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ said in chapter 10 of the Gospel of St. John, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Many Christians, not surprisingly, quote this saying in condemnation of other spiritual teachers, not only the Old Testament prophets, but also Buddha, Krishna, and others who lived before Jesus, as well as, by inference, any who came after him. Yet Jesus himself said in St. Matthew chapter 5, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Nowhere do we find Jesus condemning or even gently criticizing other spiritual masters. His criticisms were reserved for worldly attitudes and for those hypocritical Pharisees who had allowed religion to become, for them, a pretense. Paramahansa Yogananda explained that the expression, all that ever came before me, referred to those spiritual teachers who placed their egos and their self-importance ahead of the Christ consciousness, in the sense of drawing people's devotion to themselves and not offering it where alone it truly belongs, to God. Yogananda himself was very firm in this regard. For example, he never spoke of anyone as his disciple. Instead, he always insisted, they are God's disciples. God is the guru, not I. Ego is a way station on the soul's journey toward enlightenment. The soul is first trapped in lower bodily forms. Slowly, it evolves to the human level, at which point self-consciousness appears. Only in human form can self-consciousness transcend material form altogether, including the lower identity of ego-consciousness, and discover the true divine self within. Self-consciousness manifested as ego is an incentive to deliberate self-development, Later in this process of development, however, the ego becomes an obstruction. Inevitably, new spiritual aspirants do not emerge effortlessly from the vortex of ego consciousness. Desire must be offered up resolutely and ever more wholeheartedly on the altar of infinity. It is a gradual process, and few even among those who seek to help others are free of ego. If, however, their motive in teaching is not, 
If, however, their motive in teaching is not to serve, but to be served, they deserve a severe reprimand, as Jesus gave them. For their direction of development is no longer upward, but downward. In the name of giving up desires, they are creating new ones. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita in the third chapter, Desire obscures even the wisdom of the wise. Their relentless foe it is, a flame never quenched. Intellect, mind, and senses, these combined are referred to as the seat of desire. Desire through them deludes and eclipses the discrimination of the embodied soul. O Arjuna, discipline your senses, and having done so, work to destroy desire, annihilator of wisdom and of self-realization. Give God the credit for everything you do. See him as the true doer. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning. I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity, uh, Yogananda's book on mystical uh, poetry. I want to use my own will, but guided ever, Father, toward the golden paradise of all fulfillment. For I would be infinity's smiling child, confident of being in prison no longer behind bars of fruitless desire and withered hopes. I would break the shameful cords of lethargy that have presumed to hold me and step fearlessly into freedom. Released, I now blaze my way through forests of every limitation and delusion. Oh, my little vain ego may strut proudly, saying, Behold my glory, worship me. But I will look through its transparent form and behold thine unimaginable beauty clothed in the subtle form of the whole universe. Silent tune hearing of my soul will ignore that tiny boasting masquerader, my little self impersonating thee, and will listen to the wind-borne fragrant music of thine own matchless voice whispering across the ages, I am he. <laughs> What a wonderful poem. I was uh, on tour when I, uh, uh, just after I had written Sharing Nature Children, and I was in Pennsylvania. And uh, the sponsor there was a very devout Christian, uh, sort of uh, fundamentalist a little bit in his flavor. And he was sort of observing me because he knew I was from Ananda. And uh, he saw me pray and uh, blessing my food and before the program, doing anything that any of us would have done. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, and he liked me and I liked him. And uh, I was waiting for my uh, ride on to the next place. And he said, Joseph, uh, could you come up to my study with me? And so we went up to his study and uh, he sat down and uh, I sat down and he started praying to Jesus. And he said to Jesus, uh, 
uh, Joseph loves you very much, and would you make a special exception and let him into heaven? <laughs> and, and I was very, very touched uh, <laughs> to be included, and I could just sort of see him sort of e expanding. And <laughs> uh, Bhamaratsi Yogananda, he uh, was once asked by uh, a new student, uh, say, uh, said to Yogananda that, well, you have two kinds of students, don't you? You have students that live in the world, and you have students that live in the monastery and are renunciates. Which one is better? And Yogananda said, uh, good, better, best. Uh, it only depends on the depth of one's love for God. Outside of divine devotion, nothing else matters. And that really uh, gets to the core, doesn't it, in terms of uh, our spirituali spirituality, it doesn't have anything to do with the, the form, the status, the role uh, that we play. In thinking about today's reading, uh, how God, uh, we're made in the image of God, we're children of God, and uh, he gives us the power of creativity, just like God is creative. Uh, we aren't a ton of tons, and he, uh, he wants us to create. Do you know that when we become really in tune with God, that he lets us create universes. Uh, that's when we're on the causal plane and have that consciousness. But he wants us to be creative. But we have to start out slow, don't we? And, um, and we're using our will. There's uh, said to be three different kinds of will. Uh, the first one is no will. And, uh, <laughs> and this is the evolving soul that doesn't have a lot of self-initiative. And uh, Swami Kriyananda said that you know, it's the sudra stage uh, uh, of existence, uh, and, it, uh, and it only really uh, is time where that soul can grow. There's not a whole lot you can do. In the early days of Ananda, we had a typist who um, was a little bit of that uh, persuasion. And uh, in the office, uh, she'd be typing along, And all of a sudden, she'd be staring out the window. And there was somebody in the office who would go like this in front of her face, and then she would start going. And he'd be talking like somebody in New York, and he'd go like that in front of her face. All of a sudden, and, uh, we saw her some years later, and she had lots of energy. It was really great uh, to just see that... Um, she was able to, um, you know, just be more dynamic. And, <laughs> and then uh, there comes uh, the next uh, will, and that's uh, my will. And this is where we have initiative. And, uh, uh, but, you know, we're, we're really wrapped up in our will. And uh, Winston Churchill, he was asked, uh, do you have an ego? And he said, of course I have an ego. Where do you get it without one? Uh, and this is a perfectly understandable statement when you look at the, you know, we've come from no will, and any kind of will is better than, you know, no will. And so this is uh, just uh, what, what we have to learn. And, you know, we're, we're being creative, but God says, um, you know, you have a universal mind. You have my consciousness. You can create more than that. And he tries to pull us out of that. But we during this stage, we have self-definitions because we're so focused on our energy, putting it out. Uh, there's an amusing um, story of, of Jivada. 
he attended, uh, he came with me to Los Angeles and I was doing some interviews and we were, uh, I was speaking on Good Morning LA and we were in the green room ready to go on. And this was in the 80s, early 80s. And there was a, a man there and I, I recognized him and he was sitting next to us and he was going to go on first. And Jivita, um, uh, he said uh, to Jivita, because uh, Jivita uh, didn't know who he was, he goes, well, I'm Howard. And uh, Jivita still didn't know who he was. And the man seemed a little deflated. And uh, because uh, Howard uh, had uh, uh, passed this Proposition 13, which was very famous at the time because it took a lot of the property taxes, it prohibited them from going to uh, services like libraries and schools and things like that. And so he was even more well-known than the governor. And, uh, but the fact that Jiva did, didn't know who, uh, who he was, he just kind of saw him just sort of pop like a balloon. <laughs> and it's just that we, 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 it's just natural to, you know, to, to have a sense of self-importance uh, because we're the one that's doing everything and we lose a little bit of that perspective. But uh, Yogananda uh, had repeated this prayer that we all know and it's very interesting to think of the, uh, this prayer and the topic of trying to climb out of my will into the third, uh, uh, third will, which is divine will. And that's that, Father, I will reason, I will will, I will act, but guide thou my reason, will, and activity to the right path in every circumstance. And so he's trying to help us to create that bridge into uh, divine, perfect will. There's a beautiful story uh, about Yogananda. He was uh, living in Encinitas, and there was a devotee there whose wife was very, very ill for uh, about three months, and he heard about Yogananda's healing powers. And he, um, he told Yogananda and asked him to uh, pray for his wife, uh, who was dying. And so Yogananda did, but he didn't uh, receive the word to to go uh, to her, and then she died. Uh, and then in meditation, Yogananda got the clear message uh, to, to go, and he went uh, to the house. And there were about 30 people there just grieving, and she went into the room where uh, 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 the wife was, and the husband was uh, shaking her and just had tears and just was really broken up, as you can imagine. And Yogananda silently just... Uh, asked him to step aside, and he came and put his hand on her forehead, other hand on her back, and he asked that the power of God reawaken her and bring her back to life, and she did come back to life. And uh, later, um, Dr. Lewis was asking Yogananda uh, about a time in India where he also brought somebody back to life who was a friend of a relative of his. And he said, did you go in there because... Um, of your acquaintance uh, with the person, or did God tell you to go in? And Yogananda said, oh, I wouldn't have gone in unless God told me to go. And he just lived uh, just perfectly uh, by God's will and in tune uh, with that. So uh, one of the, uh, Swami was talking about uh, farmers. You know, if a farmer just takes from the soil and just takes and takes and takes, uh, what happens to the soil, it's lifeless, and it can't grow anything. And it's the same way um, uh, with our, uh, our spiritual lives. And 
and even in meditation, if we, we feel God's presence, if we have an experience of inspiration, and uh, if we take that inspiration and we run with it, uh, well, we're just like a thief and a robber, aren't we? We, we just have taken it and, and gone. Uh, we have to offer it back to the source. And, and if we do that, we're fed all the time. If you can think of a, a large lake, and you can even think of Lake Tahoe if you want to, and a stream that's flowing out of the lake. And that stream is going along, and it, it, it has the power of life of water, and uh, everywhere it goes, animals and plants, they uh, are magnetically drawn to the water, and they thrive by the water. And uh, the, the stream has a certain power to carve its way through the land. And the farther that stream gets away from the lake, if it's not careful, it could think, well, this is my power, uh, and, and this is what I am, and everybody loves me and wants to be by me. <laughs> and, uh, but what does meditation do? Meditation brings us back to the lake, and we feel the expansiveness of the lake. And so even though we may be a small stream, uh, we uh, carry the consciousness of the lake uh, wherever we are in the stream. And so uh, I was thinking about, you know, we're, we're told to uh, really sense and understand that God is the doer. But if we don't have an experience of God's power in our lives, well, then it, isn't it natural that we'll fly by our own power? Because that's the only thing that we see uh, that exists. So uh, it's so important uh, through meditation. Swami was talking about the Om uh, vibration. He said that you experience uh, a great reality and you realize that you are part of that reality. Um, we have maybe experience of the inner light. Uh, the inner light has been described as greater than a, a thousand suns. Um, or just um, We've all been touched uh, in some way by God's presence. And we know that it's just so much more than our daily existence. Uh, in the scriptures, uh, it talks about uh, uh, God as being supremely relishable. And uh, the Hari, the, uh, the thief of hearts. And it said that we, when we come into the presence uh, of Hari, uh, of God's love, that, uh, that it is so overwhelming that we set aside everything else in life. It just doesn't... Uh, compare uh, to the presence of God. And so it's through meditation and through devotion that we really come into the experience of God and that we don't want anything else and we, we feel that great power. And uh, Yogananda said that as the calmer you uh, become, the more you'll feel the joy of the universe passing through you. And so this is the, the real way of really being committed to in our daily life when we aren't meditating or we aren't in a, uh, maybe a deep spiritual mood. But if we have enough of that in our life, then we'll be drawing that and you know, asking for it to permeate and express through our lives. You know, the ego is a, a little masquerader like Yogananda put so beautifully uh, in the poem. And uh, we, uh, and it, no, it doesn't have any substance of its own. So it tries to prop itself up and uh, try to claim everything uh, for itself. 
Swami Kriyananda used this beautiful image uh, of a painter painting a picture. And uh, uh, the painter is very uh, sort of proud uh, because he painted this beautiful landscape. But Swami said, but who created the beautiful landscape? Uh, and the farmer who grew the cotton that the canvas was made, uh, he was very proud because he said, this painting couldn't have even happened uh, without my cotton. Uh, and uh, the brush maker uh, said the artist couldn't even paint his strokes uh, without the brushes I made. And the, the lumberman who cut the wood that made the frame and on and on all claimed uh, credit for that prize-winning uh, photograph. But nobody gave the credit where credit was due. And that's to God. And the more that we are grateful for what we receive from God, uh, the more God will flow into us. It's just more appropriate. Where if we are going to fly by our own wings, uh, then we'll be able to, there's a little bird here at Ananda called the brown towhee, and he's kind of like big, like a, a battleship, he's, but he's not very long, about seven inches or so. And it can fly a little bit, and, but not real strong. Uh, be, uh, and it's just, uh, and it's like the, the devotee is trying to claim everything uh, for itself, and uh, it can do pretty well, but not as well as other birds who are really light and really uh, have the same vibration of the air itself and can fly a long way and very beautiful in the air. And it's the, the same way with us. And so it really comes down to uh, if we're going to allow God to be the doer in our life, is that we have to know God, we have to experience God, we have to feel uh, Him in a, a very magnetic way. And as we do, uh, what happens when we have an experience of God? Uh, our whole being, doesn't it just, like an upwelling in the ocean, just rises uh, to just come to the surface while our whole being is reaching up to God. Uh, doesn't that happen when we have a, a strong meditation? And that carries over in the rest of our life where uh, we're just giving everything to, to God. We don't want anything outside of that. And everything that we do uh, is to give back to God in reverence and appreciation. And uh, the more that we can do that, God won't hold back uh, from the devotee, uh, but he can give himself completely because he knows that uh, the devotee will use that power in the right way, and won't uh, let that power be diffused, won't um, let it uh, sort of take them away from the path and sort of pump them up. Uh, but the more that we can just centralize that energy in the spine and offer it up, no matter what we're doing, meditating, serving, praying, um, being with friends, as, as when we can do that more and more, that power of the infinite, will flow through us and we'll know uh, for sure that God is the only doer in life. Bless us all. <laughs>